Welcome, welcome to Skin Out, a podcast celebrating all the people them that want to skin out, enjoy and show out. These are the stories of people of colour taking up space in the kink and fetish scene. I'm your host, Tony, and I hope you're ready because we're about to go on a sexual journey. In each episode, we'll meet a brand new guest, delve into their sexual past and tread alongside them as they divulge their exploits in desire. I'm joined by the lovely Ayo, he, him, a black queer kinkster born and moulded in East London. You can find him sweating on the dance floors of queer raves or helping to safeguard at Thorn, a queer and POC-centred play rave, and also at Club Verboten, a lab for modern BDSM and fetish culture. So I met you quite early on in my kink journey. We were at KV and talking about how it was so nice to see so many other black people at the party because let's be real, it was definitely a genuine fear of mine and probably for a lot of other black people when stepping into spaces like that. What was it like at your first kink party all those years ago? My first kink party was actually in Brighton. It was at Torch Garden. We went with my girlfriend at the time and two of her friends. It was it was interesting. Um, the people there, it was a different kind of party that I'm used to now because it was in a mansion. There were masks on. There was a lot of couples. It was definitely more generally white, but then that's obviously most kink parties anyway. And very coupley as Torture Garden. You know, Torture Garden's good, but for like Torture Garden, quite coupley. You know, you have to be a couple to enter a room. And I remember in one room, you'd walk in and then there was just like just blowjobs happening everywhere. So it's kind of like, interesting kind of cool but it's like oh is that like the only thing going on here but it definitely I definitely felt like I wanted to experience what what else is out there what's more so it definitely didn't put me off I quite enjoyed it but like luckily I found like other places that probably suit me a little bit more yeah I remember my first TG to get into the playroom you had to be a couple you had to prove that you're a couple and to that you had to kiss the person you're with yeah and I thought that was a bit strange, but it made sense. But it also meant that there wasn't any group play happening yes. in the play space. You're just like, boo, no, that's not fun. Yeah. And on the couples, one of my worst experiences was I helped someone get in because there was a three. And then the girl was like, oh, could you like help me get in? Because there's only three of us. So then we did the kiss, got in. I didn't know these people. I was just helping them out. But I need to go to the toilet, you see. And then when I tried to leave, they said, where's your partner? <laughs> I said, don't over there. And then probably like took another 10 minutes. I got her attention. I was like, please, I really need to leave. Like I've been holding a piss in for ages. I've already been drinking. So like my bladder is so full. And they just didn't let me leave for like maybe like 20 minutes until like I snuck out in a, like a gaggle of people and I like squeezed myself out. But that was awful. So couples room, no, no. I hate them. <laughs> you might pee yourself in them. <laughs> you were held hostage yep. they wanted to play and they're yep. like fuck you you can hold that piece a bit longer yes. <laughs> oh no poor thing <laughs> was was that your first interaction with king in a public not even in public space i guess in not in a sexual way um me and my friends sometimes would uh practice uh correct choking techniques like to see if you could like actually choke someone out. Silly behavior. But um and then I guess in the bedroom, you know, there was like small practices like with some spanking. It took me a long time with choking because I got big hands and I feel like I like I don't want to hurt someone. But um 
but like mainly i would say yeah tg and like other places where where i could like find the names for the things that i was doing and like find a space to like see a bit more organized rather than just a bit more playful when you're doing it at home when you say you were practicing consensual choking what did that look like <laughs> it looked like a bunch were there, were there safe words <laughs> there was no safe um, were there gloves involved <laughs> there was no gloves involved there was just um, silly boys and girls drinking in the house and going like do you think I could choke you out and it's like no and then <laughs> I dare you <laughs> yeah we were just trying I mean it was like literally there probably like maybe six of us and just just people just doing different techniques like kind of um doing where you put your arm, your whole arm around someone's neck, like from behind. Oh, like a restless pose. Yeah, kind of in that kind of way. And then obviously just normal, just like just round, just your neck Serial and stuff, two pose. hands. So yeah, just pushing and stuff. And like just trying to find either the artery or just trying to find your windpipes and just trying to find like the correct one. And like, yeah, yeah, you got me. Okay, yeah, 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 that's a good time. It's like, oh, let me try. And That's really technical. <laughs> For amateurs as well. That's it was so silly. See, when I was thinking, when I was thinking, you were doing that, like, you it was just really, ca- really, really casual, and you know, not thinking about airways, arteries. Oh no, but no, yeah, you always ridiculous. have to be thinking about these things. Well, I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> and was it in these kind of scenarios that you were able to explore what your kinks were? I would say no. I'd say I got to really explore it kind of when I got into the scene because. Okay. I was able to speak to different people and even though growing up with my friends, we were able to talk about sex, you know, when you enter the kink scene, then you can actually talk to other people a bit more experienced about like what other things they're doing and what it lines with you. And then when you kind of find out things that like match up with some of your fantasies or some of the thoughts that's going through your head, then you can like expand on that. And then you can find the material, you can find the books, the website, the courses and stuff like that. What were those kinks that you were able to explore within the kink scene? My sadistic side, like inflicting pain and for it not to be such a bad thing, you know? Ex- expand that a bit more. What do you so mean? obviously, like, um, I guess in the normal world, though, like kind of just like straight, like heteronormative world, it would, you know, you can have sex, you can have rough sex, but it's normally just like pow, 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 pow. Oh, cool. Well done. Like, you're really good at having sex. But then... If you said, oh, yeah, I slapped someone, like, oh, my God, I can never, like, like that's so bad. Especially I had some friends who were like, yeah, I don't mind being slapped. And I remember hearing that the first time, and I was like, what? That's that's weird. Why would you allow someone to do that? Isn't that, like, a form of violence? But then, you know, obviously you get into the kink world, learn a little bit more about, cons- well, not a little bit more, growing up you didn't know about consent that wasn't there wasn't words that were actually like really thrown around but you learn about consent and learn about like actually enjoying your pleasures and different kind of like pleasure doesn't always have to look the same so then through that then you can actually be like okay i slapped someone they asked me to slap them and they're not dead like (laughs) this, this is not so bad and i enjoyed it i enjoyed inflicting pain and seeing them enjoy it i enjoyed slapping someone and they're giggling back at me and saying like I didn't do it hard enough you know and then you just kind of build upon that you know on restraints as well and just kind of being in control in that dynamic and it's not all it could still be in a sexual way but it's not all just like penetration yeah because I think I think what I didn't recognize or realize when I was younger was that sex could be more than that 
You know, yeah. sex is about the touching, the teasing. Yeah. And a lot of the kinks yeah. that are out there, they're not really that sexual in nature, mm -hmm. are they? Like a lot of kinks just doesn't involve like penetration and you still can like thoroughly enjoy it. And like that would be it that you do. Not that minimizing it, but that's like, you'll be full after that. And I think that's amazing. That's beautiful. What are some of your non-sexual kinks? Ooh. I would say I like to, I like being restrained. I like being of service in a sex space, but like of nothing sexually happening to me. So it could be it's, uh, being in service as a bottom. So it could be holding trays, could even be a stool someone for someone to sit on. But then it could also be on from the top space kind of as I already discussed and maybe my sadistic sites, it could be like flogging and playing with rope. And there's also a foliage, mm, is this sexual? I was going to say spit. No, I don't mm. think spit is sexual. No, no, yeah, no, that's not sexual, yeah. It's like spit, fluids, so it could be like piss as well, could just be sweat, armpits, smell, biting. I feel like biting's a bit sexual though. Just biting? Yeah, like, I was yeah, going to say that. That's like cross yeah. it. Mm -mm. So I was going to say wrestling, mm -mm. but yeah. then it's like, maybe that. <laughs> <laughs> wrestling, non sexual. Biting, yeah. sexual. Okay. There is a yeah, line. Biting, sexual. Yeah, yeah okay, there's a line. Sexual. <laughs> How did you navigate these kinks when you were in relationships? Did your partner always have to be involved with them? Or I'm not sure, are you non monogamous? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Generally started off with my partner. I guess most of the things I've experienced have been, well, with my previous partner. So most of them have been with them. and But then there have been a few that's been with other people. It's generally with friends. Because for me, I personally, I can play with people like if you meet at a party and stuff. But then I can't, I'm not really, well, not I can't, that's wrong. Um, I don't always enjoy playing with someone that I don't know. But then if I meet them at party, then at least we have to have like some conversation beforehand, especially just for my safety and for theirs as well. So you can kind of get a vibe. And then, you know, if the scene requires it, like discuss safe words or kind of boundaries, hard limits, soft limits and stuff like that. What are some of your hard limits and boundaries? Hard limit? Ooh. Scat? Definitely a hard limit. Race play? Definitely a hard limit. To even like... Underneath race play, at the moment, I wouldn't bottom for a non-black person in public, especially a white person. Why? Optics. Yeah. In my head. <laughs> I know there's obviously people in like relationships and it's totally fine and they've discussed that. But for someone who sometimes, I wouldn't say dissociates, but sometimes sees themselves, I sometimes like... I'm there, present in the scene, but then I will sometimes like woo, come out of my body. I'll be in the corner looking at what's happening, and it's like, hmm, I don't like this. Mm, the answer's the right. <laughs> I just don't like this. That might change. I don't know if I find someone that I trust, but then yeah, I just don't. For me, I just don't like the optics of that. I I wholeheartedly agree. I I can't because every time I am like, I am a slave. <laughs> 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 How in 2023 am I behaving like a slave? 
a submissive <laughs> to someone else to a white person. See, I want to be um one thing. I want to be like chained up on a cross or anything, and then kind of just being like flogged and stuff. But then I picture it with white people doing it to me because like I kind of want to do it because I don't like. I'm not a masochist per se, but I kind of want to be like flogged, but restrained in it and kind of like bear it rather than so much like, oh yeah, like flog me. So it'd be quite like an intense scene for me. And then I pictured that and there's like white people doing that and I'm struggling and I'm like, ugh. It's like, that just doesn't feel. Yeah, it feels like I've seen out of roots. <laughs> it feels like I've seen out of roots. I was like, 12 years slaves. No, this is why it's so important to have more um, black people in the scene. Oh, 100%. That you can do that shit and not have to worry about how this looks. Yeah. And then also how it's going to make you feel after as well. Because yep. it's not just about how it looks. It's like that's going to do something to your psyche. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so that so those are your hard no's. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are the main ones. Yeah. Those are the main ones. Good, good. And I feel like you also, in general, just you, but you figure out what those hard no's are as time goes on. And when you're put in those positions as well, because you're never going to really know how you're going to react to something until it kind of happens to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. I know a lot of people who didn't realize that something was going to be a boundary for them until they actually did it. And, and it's okay to change your mind, you know, yeah. in the middle of something where you've experienced it, like, yeah, I don't actually feel comfortable. You can just stop. Yeah. And it's okay to stop and, and actually communicate with the person you're with saying, I don't like this anymore. We mm. need to stop. We need to change things around a bit. hundred <laughs> percent. So like I knew I didn't like race play. I already know I wouldn't be comfortable with it, but I was in Berlin and my friends like hooked me up with someone like on a dating app. I was on the dating app, but I'm rubbish at like messaging. So then they did it. And then the girl came over. And like we were chatting, having fun, and then she did. Uh, she was like white German, and then she did the kind of oh, so like what what rap artists do you listen to? So I'm like naming through. Then obviously they did the like unknown, like real like like you have to be in the know to know these people. I'm like yeah, cool, yeah, white man, like cool. And then she was just talking about like liking black people and liking black guys. And then this is when I was younger. So then I was like, I knew I wasn't okay with it, but at the same time I didn't know. I, I didn't know exactly why. Because I'm like, you're technically saying nice things, but this is making me feel uncomfortable. And then I guess it was afterwards. It was quite soon afterwards where I was like, I felt used. I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. So I think then that's when I definitely knew, as you were saying, until you get into the situation, I definitely knew, nah, not doing that again. Do you think your culture and upbringing affected your outlook on sex and kink? Yes. And no. Yes. You know what? I'm going to say yes. So I grew up, so I'm Nigerian. Both my parents are Nigerian. Um, I grew up in East London, born here. So already I've kind of got like a different kind of perspective of the world to my parents. But then we obviously went to church. Um, my dad's Christian, not as strict as my mum. My mum's like Pentecostal, like don't have sex or you die kind of stuff. Like she's like not hard line, I wouldn't say, but... We grew up Christian. I stopped going to church when I was 18. But then I think my like views on like sex and my sexuality was kind of like in rebellion to it. So that's why I say yes. In the sense that I didn't grow up, I never fitted in 
with like the way my family fought, even a lot of like people around me fought. It just didn't feel right to me. So then the way I saw sex and even like my queerness, even though I didn't like have the word for it then, but I just knew like, I feel different. What you're saying to me doesn't feel right. And then it kind of made me want to look out and search for other things than what was just like man, woman, have sex, have babies, you know, get married, have sex, have babies kind of stuff. And what were the sort of things that you were seeing once you started looking outside of your like family circle? I mean, for a long time, it wasn't even that much more different. It was just more sexual. You know, as I've already discussed, like um, growing up, my friends, we were quite comfortable like talking about sex and doing things with each other that people might think was like, that's really weird to be doing with your friends. But then eventually um, going to university, finding other people who were gay, who identified as queer, and then feeling like I kind of fit in a little bit more there. And then that just helped kind of like, this makes a little bit more sense to me than what my family was saying. So you said that you felt like you were a bit queer when you were younger, but you didn't really know or have the vocabulary back then about what that was. What does being queer mean for you and how do you explore your queerness? It's funny because I guess I remember being younger and uh, kind of um, hearing the word queer and then obviously kind of being like, oh, no, that's that's weird and stuff. But then finding out, you know, that's also um, was one of like the definitions, like being weird. And I was like, hmm, this kind of fits like I don't feel normal and I never wanted to feel normal I rejected it so then starting from that process I was like okay I feel a bit weird and then for me kind of like expressing my queerness it's just kind of in the way I interact with the people around me it could be with my friends it could be with like people who I have decided who are the people I love as like family so when I was growing up I had a very difficult relationship with like my parents and like finding love for them and even finding love for anyone, so even friends. So I remember the first times telling some of my friends I loved them. I'm a bit romantic. So I picked, <laughs> I didn't pick on purpose, but we were on a boat. It was a boat party and we were in the front of the boat going past Westminster. It was a nighttime. And then I just held them and was like, I love, I love you guys. But they were just like, well, you've never said that before. So it's, yeah, kind of like finding your family, finding people who can understand you, can hold space for you. And then, you know, it's me doing that for them as well. You know, people you can look after, you can big up, you can spur on. And then obviously just trying to protect each other. And, you know, it's easier for me. I was I feel like a protector, especially being the eldest in my family, um, protecting the people around you from this cruel world, to be fair. So that's what queerness means to you and how you express it is that why you're so attracted to these kink spaces mm, yeah i would say yeah it's um it's a place where especially like the first couple of times i started going there i remember f not saying it out loud but just standing around and just looking and just being like this feels like home this this feels right now i want to be here you know i'm not and i know that it's for me because like, you know, not every night is going to be like spectacular. You're not going to be like, you know, most nights I don't actually do anything sexual. I just enjoy the music and socialize with people to be fair. But I know I want to be in this space, you know, and it's not generally one night. I want to go to like, I want to explore 
all the different kind of nights, but it's the people, really. I want to get to know the people. I want to... It's definitely a space where I feel more comfortable expressing different sides of myself, especially, like, for me, where I work in a place where it's... <laughs> it's everyone is, like, old and married and... You know, you say queer and they're like, they're not going to say anything bad because, well, on purpose, because, you know, they could get in trouble, but they don't understand. So being in queer and kink spaces, like queer kink spaces, not the kind of like suit and tie kink spaces. Awful. You know, the kind of like um, male guys in their suits and then maybe like women in lingerie. I've never been to those spaces i've never been to those spaces but i remember the first times when i was kind of like looking at or what i was seeing of like what kink was you know it was that kind of like eyes wide shut image that was always portrayed guy you know in a suit and then a very slim blonde woman and maybe it'd be like yeah come sit on my lap or like they'll be like call me daddy or something which can be hot obviously but in that scenario i was like hmm i don't like is kink for me like can i will i be able to find a place that will accept me this is this is not the first time i've heard that reference to eyes wide shut and i haven't mm. seen that movie mm. and i feel like i need to watch it now to, <laughs> to, to, feel out, to find out what you guys are talking about <laughs> this is the this is the second time hearing about these sort of scenes where men will dress up in suits mm-hmm. and then ladies will be in lingerie seems a little bit sexist <laughs> seems a little bit you know very discriminatory <laughs> because why are the men not in lingerie too mm-hmm. i want to see them in lingerie amen there needs to be more male lingerie you know what savage fenty do yeah. it oh yes. i want to see more men in those in yes. those lingerie sets yes. for sure but also i'm really glad that i haven't been witness to what you're describing or even knowing that that existed <laughs> because that sounds so weird if that was the first thing i saw when looking up kink parties i would not have come mm. <laughs> Do not come because that would have felt like I was being objectified. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And then as well, like, you never saw different type of bodies or different any different type of, like, variety. It was just always, like, a dark-haired man and a blonde woman. And those were the images that you'd see constantly. So it was like, no, I don't want to be there. I am so glad I started going to these parties after the pandemic. Because <laughs> <laughs> all I ever see is diverse bodies. All I see is quinky people, queer kinky people. Yeah. And it's lovely. And it's amazing, it's isn't amazing. it? It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. So you actually mentioned that at some parties, you don't even actually, you don't even play, mm. do you? Mm. And I think that's a true testament to the fact that it is really the people who make the scene and uh, who make the community 100%. that great. Because you can go to this, these parties dressed up to the nines, looking yep. sexy as fuck. Yep. And then you don't have sex because you're there for the vibe. You're and just here for vibe. vibe. And you just sometimes want to show off. You're just like, look well, married. Like, I look amazing. Absolutely. Tell me I look good. Tell me I look good. Put mm, my foot in it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's the thing I look forward to the most, dressing up. Mm-hmm. I like to dress up and be the center of attention. Amen. Just to dance, have people look at me. <laughs> and I know they want me. Yes. And then I didn't do anything with them. <laughs> what a tease. <laughs> Such a tease. But yeah, I, I do the same thing as well. There's been a number of parties lately that I've just gone to be around people that I've met before, new yeah. people, to chat, to dance. Mm-hmm. And it's a space where I feel like I can truly be myself. Yeah. Which is great. And yeah. it, like you said before, it felt like home. 
it felt like I actually belonged in this space and I didn't have to be anything that I wasn't. Is that the same for you? Definitely, definitely. I feel like, definitely as time has gone on, it feels more and more like that. Like, I remember the first couple of ones, as I said, there was, it wasn't as diverse because I started going to King parties like before the pandemic. And like, you would see like some like black people, you know, some like brown people as well. But then like compared to like now, it's like totally different. There's definitely a lot more variety there, you know, and just loads of different kind of parties f for different kind of people as well. So like the space, the community is growing and it's got its ups and downs and it's working out its kinks <laughs> and it's just getting better. And like, hopefully it just continues on this course. I've learned a number of really cool words since being on the scene. And one word I really like is deviant, but like a sexual deviant. <laughs> Have you always been a sexual deviant or did it only just come out like, you know, when you started going to these parties? Oh, good. Um, I would say, I guess, yeah, yes, yes. And not in a sense of like having sex, but... Um, of course not, because sexual yeah. deviant doesn't necessarily mean just yeah. sex. Yeah. It's other things. So just being very young and um, being left alone and watching TV late at night watching like channels like Channel 5 and stuff and watching their blue movies, finding like my father's like videos on VHS and like his like magazines as well. I remember just always just, well not always, but um, when I had a chance just be reading the magazines and stuff, I was like flicking through the pictures and be like, yeah, this is really interesting. But then just reading it, really enjoying it and not, not even like masturbating. Like I didn't start masturbating until I was like 15, 14, around about then. I just used to just look at it and just be like, my penis is hard. <laughs> like, what were the sort of pictures and images you were seeing? So in my, like, dance magazines. So it was funny because everything was dated. So now I'm thinking about it. Now you've asked that question. I'm like, did he like have them like early 90s and then this, or like, uh, like late 80s? Because stilettos. I have like a thing for stilettos just because I'm pretty sure that's just like a lot of the like images well, like maybe women in stilettos and stuff. And then obviously there'll be like images of like people in pools, um, beds, and it'll all be like that kind of like nineties kind of like aesthetic as well, or like late eighties, you know, with big hair, obviously different size of boobs, like different kind of, not really different kind of bodies. Um, like the guys will be all like ripped and then like, women like maybe big boobs small boobs and then there'll always be like a bus as well non-saven you know hair no problem like i love it give me more hair <laughs> give me more hair let's sweat some more lovely but yeah it's just kind of um kind of all that kind of glammed up kind of images do you think if you were able to recreate what you saw in those magazines you would be taken back to a time very different to now and you'd potentially have a out of this world experience potentially like you know, you're seeing these <laughs> these models in the pictures come to in real life what do you think would happen oh that's good so imagine that you're in a scene okay i'm here someone I'm here. from the magazine <laughs> full bush big hair yeah. stilettos stilettos red stilettos oh it's red yeah. okay yeah, it's red, red stilettos <laughs> big hair Full bush. Small white socks with the like, little frilly bits at the ends. 
I feel like you've thought about this before. <laughs> no, it's all coming back. It's easy. <laughs> it's easy. It's all coming back. And now tell me what happens after that. <laughs> so this person's in more life in front of you. What is happening? Oh, wow. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> it is taking me back a bit, but me dead looking at these things were very young. <laughs> okay. We'll take away that so aspect then, of things. So then I'd probably be like, oh, this is hot. And I'd be like, oh, this is just nice. <laughs> We're taking away that part? Yes. <laughs> you now. <laughs> what, are you, what are you thinking? What do you want to do? How are you feeling? Obviously excited. Close my eyes now. I'm seeing this in front of me. I'll be taking like mental images and be like, this is amazing. This is, feels pure. I probably want to touch, feel the hair. I want to feel the waist and the breasts and the bust. And then just see how the leg forms while it's in the stiletto. That's always heels, you know, heels are amazing. Heels on like anyone, just fantastic. That calf, that little line that you get in the calf on the sides, and the way it like lift up your legs and your bum, and it makes you kind of like arch your back as well. Fantastic. But yeah, I'd, who knows? I might melt, I might jump and just be excited, but. I know it would be amazing. I feel like a lot of our earlier experiences definitely inform what we like later on. Because mm. you were saying stilettos are a thing for you now. Is there anything else from your early memories or your early experiences that have shaped you in a way that, you know, it's something that you really, really like now? Oh, one big thing that I've not experienced is, um, so being young, with my juice box, watching the TV. There was always, um, or maybe not always, but blue movies where it would be like the nanny. The na <laughs> Go on. <laughs> you know, it would be like the nanny's in the house. She's obviously hot, maybe in like her, f she's playing 40s, but she's probably like 20 something. But obviously I was young, so everyone looked old to me. And then they'll be looking after the young boy who was playing like probably 16, but probably like, in his 30s and just that kind of like that older woman taking care of this younger boy and then this older woman kind of like being in charge i've always been attracted to like glamorous older women they didn't have to be like super glam but just i love seeing not even just older women but in this instance older women but like older people older women who are still in touch with their sexuality and are still like yeah i have sex like we don't just turn, we don't just turn fifty and like we stop having sex and stuff. Because as well, I guess is why I want that for me. But then like that always looks so hot to me. That's a fantasy for me as well. Just to be with someone who's older, who's a little bit more in charge, and just knows exactly what they want, and they can just be like, "Yeah, come here. We're doing this now. Yes." I hope to one day be that older woman. <laughs> yes, you will be, definitely. because <laughs> no, I, I think I generally have that fear. Well, I used to more now than you now that when you get older, you kind of just lose parts of yourself and you're not that sexual person. Because yeah. I look at older people, I'm like, do you guys have sex? Yeah. And then I try thinking about it. I'm like, oh, why am I thinking about that? <laughs> Should yeah. I be thinking about old people having sex? <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's definitely something I thought about and it, it definitely comes with getting older yeah. and your priorities change. Yeah. And I've been seeing a lot more like discourse around 
older women in particular not losing their sexuality or their sexualness just because they've had kids or they get married or they get older. I think that's so important. Yeah. For everyone, not just women. Yeah, everybody. Everybody. Definitely true. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, um, isn't there studies I'm going to totally get wrong, but don't like Amy. It's like, you know, um, men are meant to like have like really high libidos and they're like 20s, like early 20s. And then women, it's like actually a lot later. So I guess maybe in a way, it's maybe with what's out there in society, it's not actually the women who actually don't want to have sex and stuff. Maybe when they're married and stuff, it's actually the guys just getting... Tired and used yeah. up. And <laughs> <laughs> just not looking, looking after themselves and just expecting like their wives to like, buy them their shirts, their clothes, and, like really take care of them and they just become another child to look after. So why would you want to have sex with them? That is so true. I never thought about it like that. Very intellectual. <laughs> you think this is why all the cougars exist because the guys their age they're mm. all dried. I hate to use the word dried up, but they dried up. <laughs> they're all dried up and mm. tired. Mm. Damn. Maybe, maybe. Just a thought. We'll put it out there. I want to take us back a bit. Okay. When you were describing um, what you would do if you saw that person in front of you, yeah. and you were describing you would touch them and smell them yeah. it all sounded very primal mm-hmm. is that something you're into yeah definitely can you tell us more about what that is and how that is for you so i guess it's a little bit more animalistic you know it's more of like the senses it can be sensual you know so like kind of more soft touches like feeling of touch could be taste could be smell Sometimes it could just be like just watching someone intently. You know, there's, I'm not too sure if it's exactly fits for it, but for me, I can like even find it just like mutual masturbation. You're just both looking at each other and just pressuring yourself, really taking that person in. But then for me, when I feel very primal, it can start off quite soft and then slow. But then it generally, as like the tension builds up, it generally then becomes a little bit more rough. Like then you just want to like take that other person. Let me interrupt you. Yeah. Tell me exactly what you mean when you say start soft, soft. What are you doing? Paint so- me a scene because I want to imagine <laughs> that I'm the one about to be ravaged. <laughs> Tell me. Ooh, let's set a scene. So it could just be. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. So it could literally just be to start off with just looks. You know, we're all familiar with that, just looks and just, you find yourself just staring at this person. Oh my God, I've just like not taken my eyes off this person for so long. But then they're doing it at the same time, just really getting intense and you just get closer. Just getting closer and closer together. And when you get so close that, you know, you're just noses, your body's kind of like feeling up against each other, but it's not pressed yet. Just slight touches and slight grazes of fingers on hands. And it just feels electric at that moment. When you're that close, you can start smelling them. There's this thing, there's this animalistic primal thing about smelling and taking in someone. Sometimes you don't always catch it, but you can always catch it like behind their neck. Raise up their arms. You can find in the armpits. You're smelling. You're taking them in. You're getting to know them just by like just that. And then obviously the breathing and your heart is just racing. And it's just getting heavier and the adrenaline's going. And then you just want to just like grab them. You've already started smelling them, taking their scent in, taking them in. 
and you just want to grab them and just like just squeeze them into you. And then, for me, get you can get into a point of like, you know, when you start kissing someone, but then you could just be kissing them at any part of their body, but then you're kissing their skin. When you start kissing their skin, then you're tasting them. You taste them in your lips, but that's not enough. You want a little bit more. So then you start just like nibbling on them, nibbling on their skin, tasting their sweat, devouring that into your mouth. And then you might, from a nibble, go into a bite, bite down, because you want it. You want them. You want them that much. And then you just feel jump from there. Whew. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did this accidentally turn to erotic audio? Because, hmm. Okay. See, I was kind of waiting for it to get a bit further than that. But <laughs> we'll stop there. It's okay. I'll finish it with my imagination later on. <laughs> We're going to leave it on that wonderfully delicious note. Thank you, Thank Aya, you. so much for joining me and joining us sharing your story and allowing us to be a part of it and thank you lovely listeners for tuning in you know let us know your thoughts and carry on the conversation with the hashtag skin out pod do all the things you usually do with podcasts give us a follow subscribe share on social media and we'll see you next week